yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, you tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot of who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, and pay attention. This is Dr. Cavill with Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is on assignment, and Charles Bishop is sick. And I know some of y'all are going to say, yeah, I bet you he is. No, he's literally sick, or at least his uh, wife is. So um, with all uh, respect for that, you know, let's say prayers. Um, you know, the Omicron is out there real. And uh, so we need to stay vigilant and stay safe. Uh, but, no, we'll get to rub him a little bit when he gets back to it. But we want to make sure that all of those out there that are safe with that being said, I have Luke Williams, one of the gurus in this, one of the beginner folks that got me started in this, to be truthful with you, and supported me along the way. And he is truly an encyclopedia in so many different ways of what he does. So I think we're in good hands. Let me formally introduce everybody that doesn't know uh, Mr. Carl Luke Williams, as we call him in these parts. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fine, Kenyatta. Just back from that... Uh four or five days in Atlanta, great trip, great game, great environment. Um, you know, I spent my whole page today on the Black College Sports page really talking about the game, photos from the game, things that happened around the game. So glad to be with you today. Tell them again how they can go get that. I know most of our listeners are very aware of it, but you never know. There may be some new folks that are not as aware of you as they may, as we may think they should be. So if you would go ahead and tell them how they can get all your information, because you certainly keep all of us informed. You know, I provide your content to our listeners and giving me updates and news and giving me a perspective that I can't quite get anywhere else. So let them know. Yeah, this is my 28th year, Doc. Um, and uh, I've been with my partner in uh, Good Things, Eric Moore, who recently suffered a stroke. So Eric is on the men. I talked to him while I was at the Celebration Bowl. He's doing much better. But my page is posted every week on Anadan.com. For the last 23 years, we've been on Anadan. So uh, Eric and I uh, started this journey together back in 1994. Also, um, if, you, if you email me at uh, bcspeditor at gmail.com, then I'll add you to our mailing list, which is free. Our, our page is pr primarily provided to African-American newspapers around the country. We're currently in about 10 of those newspapers. Uh, but if you want to uh, get on the mailing list, just send me an email at bcspeditor at gmail.com. I'll be more than happy to add you. We also, right now, I'm also, for the last three, four months, also working with uh, HBCU Game Day, my good friend, longtime uh, guy that I've known, Tyler Carr, along with the HBCU Game Day founder and my road dog, uh, Stephen, a Stephen J. Gaither, as well as Wiley Pitt. Uh, I've been knowing Wiley and his family. Uh, they, used, they were the owners of the Winston-Salem Chronicle, the black newspaper in Winston-Salem that I one time wrote news and, and features for. Wow. So I've been knowing all of these guys a while. Steven is the, is the young pup of the group, but he's the founder of HBCU Game Day. And he and I have been going up and down the road, man, from hither, thither, and <laughs> north, south, east, and west to the various HBCU events for the last two, three years. Yeah, I'm really happy that you shared not just those individuals, which they've come on this show and guests, and we have great partnership with them, but you also laid the connectors and i'm not sure that everybody understands that we have these connectors you know whether it's roy and a lot of people don't realize now it's you know kind of the thing to be in the hbcu sports which is not a good not a bad thing because it elevates us personally in my opinion sure. but 
I don't think people realize sometimes how many people have worked and toyed, toiled, I should say, in this industry to get to the point where they are and our paths has crossed. And for the most part, this has been a very familial uh, type of uh, construction. So we've worked with each other and helped each other, nurture each other in some form of fashion. So I'm really excited that you did that. Welcome to episode 223 of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab radio show and podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports from institutions large and small, from the NIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington and Charles Bishop, as I said at the beginning. And just to re-announce for those that logged in, Mike Washington is on assignment trying to take care of business and Charles Bishop is uh, getting healthy, if you would, in terms of making sure that his family uh, totally is healthy. So let's keep him in, in prayers. He will be back. As I said earlier, yeah, he's certainly he's sick, but he's really sick in terms of this uh, situation. So we're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to our KCH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University, Houston, Texas. I've told you all that we will release our national champion, but like good stewards of the media, we're going to kind of tease this out. Uh, and towards the end of the show, you will get uh, our announcement based on who is the 2021 HBCU um, national champions from Dr. Cavill's perspective. I will share this before we get into some of the news of the day. I'm proud of the fact that I was the steward. Carl can tell you some backstories of folks uh, from inside HBCUs, but I was one of the first from outside of HBCUs um, that understood a unique marketing ploy is kind of the way that I looked at it and separated the, the polls in terms of two groupings, what I call the major division and the mid-major division. This goes back literally to 2002 so next year will be our 20th anniversary. So you talk about Luke telling you how long he's been in the business. That gives you some indication how long I have been toiling with this. Shout out to Ken Rashad that gave me one of the first platforms to put up my poll ranking that is now HBCUsports.com back when it was SWAC page and then transition to TPSN. Um, you talk about Eric Moore. He was also another platform that allowed me to put my poll on that platform. And over the years, people have respected the poll. They may not always agree with it, but they at least respected it. It was done weekly. We kept up with it. And so we've moved on into some men's and women's poll rankings, baseball before uh, Black College Nines has taken over and I vote in those polls now. So we've shifted and shafted and moved around to try to get this done. And so I'm excited that Today is one of the culminations of people's expectation to figure out just how we think and why we think. And we'll break all that down later in the show, how all this comes together. But I did want to share that earlier. Uh, at this point, there's essentially four national champions with the various poll rankings out there. I'm not ashamed and I don't have any problem announcing all these folks. You know, um, as I said, I'm in the business about doing it. And if I do what I'm supposed to do, people will respect uh, if they don't agree, so I can talk about Box to Roll and all these other groups. Luke will have his rankings coming out um, and, and can break that down. So we have some that do a list where they put all HBCUs together. We have some that have a split poll that really separates the poll that came after we did it, but they understand the importance for whatever reason. And I'll even get Luke to give you a chance to tell you his perspective on this so we can kind of really get to going and a thought process of what takes place. Then we'll get in some news. We'll talk a little bit about the H, uh, you know, the big game, as they call it in a lot of parts down here, certainly for HBCU. That's the Cricket Wireless uh, Celebration Bowl and what we thought took place in that game. We'd like to hear and see what you're typing in and see your thoughts on what took place. And we'll take you behind the scenes a little bit so you can get your ears and eyes of what took place because a lot of you all, but there, you may have seen some of it, but your focus was on the game. And for those that weren't able to get there, you certainly watched it on television. We're going to share a little sights and scenes so you can see what was the talk taken on uh, about everything going in that perspective. So, um, again, essentially have been four 
uh, black college national champions as Bowie State in some people's uh, framework. And that's both in terms of uh, what people call or what we call the mid-major division and some say holistically overall. You've had publications out there that denoted FAMU as the national champion. Other note, have noted Jackson State as the national champions. And obviously some have noted South Carolina State. We're going to tell you what we think and why. And so you'll get a final little knock and check mark, if you would, based on us, because I think we're one of the last to do it. Uh, but that is on purpose. You know, we're meaningful in terms of what we do. And again, we don't always have to be first, but we're going to be substance in what we talk about. So with that being said, let me go to you, Luke, and talk about, as we did on Sunday, how do you come up with your framework? Uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to say who you have or you can share it. If it's, it's pertinent in terms of who you see as the national champion at the time, but at least before you do that, give us the framework of how you come down with it. Well, like you, uh, Kenyatta, when I started my sports page back in 1994, I had all of the teams that, uh, what you say, holistically, I was doing a ranking regardless of whether they were one double A or division two. And I used to have this discussion when I started. Uh, not long after I started when HSRN came on and a, a couple of the guys that they are no longer with us, may they rest in peace as Wallace Dooley and LeCount Conaway that both started working with HSRN. And when they uh, uh, unveiled that national platform, they specifically wanted to separate the two. And we had, they would have conversations with me where they would call me on the phone. Luke, come on, man. You got to separate them. The scholarships difference, the such and such difference. He, they, we debated it <laughs> significantly for for hours at a time. And I say, listen, I respect what you're doing. I'm not. I'm not against what you're doing. I mean, but if you want to separate them for right now, I, I respect that. You know. So you know. You know. So to speak, to each his own. And at that time, back in the mid '90s, late '90s, you know, I thought that the differences between the schools was probably not as uh, markedly different as it is now. That's right. You know, so only in the last, I, I would say, five, six years have I decided to, you know, as, as this difference between the two became, I thought, more and more pronounced, you know, and even as, as, as little as five years ago when Winston-Salem State went to the Division II National Championship, I had them as the national champion, you know, because they vanquished, you know, and this has always been my criterion, you know, if you're in Division Two, you got to do something special to be the the national champion. You got to really advance far into the playoffs. So one year Tuskegee was undefeated. I think they got two wins in the in the Division Two playoffs. I had them at number one. Uh, Winston Salem State again. I said when Connell Maynard was there, I uh, went to the national championship game. It's not long after that that I said, you know, that I'm actually going to separate them. For the, so the last three or four years. I've been doing a top 10 for both division two, as well as I call it division one, you call it the mid major, same thing as division one, that's the FCS program and the division two NAIA, the Langston's of the world, uh, the Edward waters. I've had Langston in the top 10 in the division two. If there was, if we were doing one poll, we really wouldn't do it. And you know, one of my very good friends, Roscoe Nance, again, who may rest in peace, the, the legendary journalist, uh, they covered the SWAC as well as the NBA and uh, international soccer for USA Today. Roscoe one time said to me, one of the reasons not to separate them, he's like, Luke, there's only 40 some odd playing football schools. If you're going to do 10 and 10, you're going to have to rank 20 of the teams. That's a lot of teams. You know, if you're doing a top 10 to be ranking out of 40, half of the schools would get ranked. And if you do that, and that's the case even now, some of the teams could have losing records you know, as opposed to the uh, putting them all together. So uh, if there's one thing Roscoe was, Roscoe was opinionated. <laughs> he had a, he had his opinion about all, he had his opinion about all things sports, all things politics, all things social. And he always would do it in a, such a respectful way. We love him to death. I just had a, just had a uh, memorial service for him out of Montgomery that I spoke on uh, this past uh, Sunday before the, the, the celebration bowl. But anyway, Beautiful. so that's what I do. That's how I do it. You know, and, and I explain to people, I don't consider the, uh, the FC, I mean, the uh, celebration bowl to be the black college national championship game. It's not automatic. If for no other reason that there are three other 
FCS teams that are not in either the SWAC or the MEAC who could, if they were playing very well in their respective conferences, could deserve to be above the SWAC or the MEAC. And if they won some games in the playoffs, for example, if fam, you had won some games in the playoffs, for example, you might get some, you might've gotten some, uh, so if they've gone, let's say a couple of games deep into the playoffs, you might've had some people saying that fam, you, even though you've already said some have picked fam, you regardless, you know, so that's how I do it. I'm, I do a division one and a division two. That's going to come out next week on my sports page, which comes out next Tuesday. Nice. Great tease in terms of that. I really appreciate the way that you talked about um, breaking down how over a period of time the delineation has changed. And I think for those that really follow this and like to understand what we're referring to is at the FCS level, the scholarship maximum that you can go to is 63. At the Division II level is 36. At the NIA is 24. But even 20 years ago, people don't realize that a lot of the schools in the MEAC and SWAC were not even close to the maximum number of scholarships. Exactly. Most of them were doing maybe 50 some. That's on the high end. A lot of them were just doing 40 something. Yeah. Less and than so that in some for cases. those Division II schools that were doing close to 36, that differential in terms of scholarship wasn't as big. I can tell you now, even Valley in terms of next year will be at full scholarship. So everybody in the SWAC is at full scholarship. And I can give you some of the reason that took place. Um, when you've seen the transition of FCS programs, really 1AA, when they started having the ability, when they changed that nomenclature to 1AA to FCS and FBS, and you started seeing more of these FCS, FBS matchups, one of the criteria for uh, a lot of schools that were choose, chose, choosing excuse me, to play FCS programs that they had to have the maximum, really near the maximum number of scholarships for the win to count towards their bowl eligibility. Right. So it became important for the FCS programs to get as close as the 63 as possible if they wanted to play and continue to play those money games. Now, that's all different conversation because mm-hmm. people know how I feel about the money games, but I at least want to give you these little individual nuggets and roadmaps to let you know how things transition and why, and why we need to know the history. We can hold on to it, but why some things must change because society and the cultural components of it change. So I thought it was important to share that. We're going to hit this break and we'll come back on the other side and give you some news, give you some insides of the celebration bowl. And again, stick with us because we will release before the end of the show, our national champion. That's Dr. Cavill's national champion that's the major division remember we've already released the mid-major division which rightfully so went to Bowie state and then for me a lot of the reason was that classification but i thought it was important to make sure mid-major programs or division two programs as you said were able to get their shine and i thought a lot of times great seasons were not being represented enough because some people thought that the uh, major division FCS programs were having great seasons, even though they may have a couple of more losses, they still had shown that they had better programs. Let's go to this quick break, and we'll talk a little bit more about this on the other side. This is Dr. Ville inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. They're out on assignment. So my guest with me today, the visiting professor, is none other than the great Carl Luke Williams. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique.
Nice move. Another shot. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slowburn. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge, it's an environment and an experience rich in history luxury and personality an elegant extension of any celebration occasion it's the perfect escape and meeting place a space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion have slow burn plan your next big event or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rivals you can shop our collections at www.slowburnwaco.com but if they want to tap, uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. It's just an analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left. And who the ball, ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a This is Dr. Ville with Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bitcher. They're both out on assignment, essentially. So we have none other than the visiting professor, Carl Luke Williams, bringing us some insights and updates. Before we get into a little more about the Celebration Bowl, we'll get into the ratings and give you some signs and inside the scenes, maybe some key people that we saw. Uh, takeaways, if you would, be your ears and eyes for those that couldn't get there for whatever reason. Let me, in fact, let me shout out to the great folks that have jumped on here. Michael Knox, Michael Lee is in the house, Nelvin Short. Mary Allen, Ricky Burden, as always, Lonnie Shaw, I see you. Bobby Knight, Dwight Moore, Chuck Hunt, always doing his thing. G. Boom Holly is in the house. Uh, John Jenkins, Roderick, Byron Page, Dr. Holmes, congratulations to you and your family, Odell Benders, and that's in terms of his father getting inducted into the SWAC Hall of Fame. Chance to give him an interview. For you all that didn't see that, check out our interview from Friday in terms of episode 221 uh, that we take you on Radio Road and give you some great interviews, including with Coach Buddy Pugh before the game. We have Odell Benders and a couple of players as well, I should say, from South Carolina State, giving them the love that they deserve. It was exciting to interview them. You can see in their eyes there was something there early. Karen Griffin. Uh, we have Reggie in here from the CIW, Tom Anderson. Uh, who else do we have? William E. Davis. Sarah Beverly, Rob J is in the house checking us out. Uh, who else we have in here? Willie, Alex Hine, Jarvis Austin. Stick with us. We'll give you some more shout outs. Keep them coming again. We will tell you before the end of the show, we're going to announce Dr. Cavill's HBCU Major Division Champion. Essentially, most people realize it's up to basically three teams. Florida and Rattlers, Jackson State, Tigers, and the South Carolina State Bulldogs. Who will we say is this year's HBCU Major Division champion? Remember, we separate the two, so we've already acknowledged two weeks ago the mid-major champion, which none other than the Bowie State Bulldogs. With that being said, is there some news out there that's relevant as things just keep churning? We can't get through the celebration, but before some other moves are made, particularly in the football landscape, do you have anything there to announce for us? Well, the first one was, well, while we were at the uh, Celebration Bowl on Friday, you know, my uh, road dog, as I said, Steve, Stephen J. Gaither is a graduate of Winston-Salem State, and he was waiting with bated breath as the Rams were making a decision as to who would be their next head coach. He was kind of hoping for something a little different, but the Rams decided to stay with interim head coach Robert Massey who has been there for almost three years, replacing Keenan's Bullware. He has, excuse me, a four-year contract has already been approved by the board. 
$90,000 a year. Um, uh, he's only got a seven and 21 record. No, I'm sorry. I'm not, not even seven and 21. I think it's seven. I forgot. And I put it on my page and I don't have it in front of me, but he's has a losing record. And one of the things that Steve mentioned in his story is that all of the previous coaches, the four previous coaches at Winston-Salem State, both, all of them, all four of them won multiple championships. And that goes back to uh, Keenest Bullware, who uh, Massey came in to replace. It goes back to Pete Richardson. It goes back to Bill Hayes. And it goes back to Kermit Blunt. So he's got a task in front of them, uh, in front of him. Before Bowie State won the last three CIAA championships, Winston-Salem State was a perennial uh, uh, player in the championship picture, always representing the South Division. So uh, Robert Massey has a big job to get the Rams back into that. They've kind of fallen off over these last three years. So that was one big news. And probably the, the latest breaking news that just happened sometime today was down at Tuskegee University. And what happened Ooh. was Tuskegee uh, actually did not announce that Willie Slater, their longtime coach, I think he'd been there 13 years, was stepping down as both the coach and the athletic director. And surprise, surprise, they announced today that the new coach and athletic director is none other than Miles, former Miles head coach and athletic director Reggie Ruffin, Reginald Ruffin, who is now moving over from uh, Miles to Tuskegee. He formerly worked under uh, Coach Willie Slater at Tuskegee, but now he is going from Miles to Tuskegee. He had actually, in his nine years, I think it was, at Miles, established himself as the power in the, uh, in the SIEC, particularly in the SIEC West. They dethroned Tuskegee. They've beaten Tuskegee, I think it's three of the last four years. And he's coming back to Tuskegee. And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Doc, I think he's a graduate of Tuskegee. So he's kind of coming home after going and establishing himself at Miles. And from the standpoint of SIEC, it couldn't be a better move for Tuskegee to be bringing the man who's dominated the conference over the last half decade. Uh, <laughs> he's at Miles. Yeah, that's interesting to make sure that he can bring Tuskegee back to re uh, relevance. A mm -hmm. huge historical program, as all those that follow HBC know, some of the new folks that come on board, they have the most wins out of HBCU to give you some indication in terms of history. A lot of championships, firstly early, and then about a decade ago, decade ago, they were one of the schools that were similar to Winston-Salem State and uh, Bowie, where they were cutting that edge and uh, pushing for a national championship. They had the benefit at that time that they would at least play Alabama State regularly in the Turkey Day Classic, so they had a head-to-head -head matchup that they could get some edge on the FC. Yes, and then oftentimes they would also play Alabama A&M. So that was fascinating during that era, which is one of the reasons at that time why I decided to split the two divisions. So we'll talk a little about that a little more. Uh, the other announcement I wanted to get, maybe get your thoughts on is announced today also in terms of the Hall of Fame game uh, with Winston-Salem State that you just talked about with the head coach that play in the 2020 Black College Hall of Fame Classic. They haven't announce who they will play against yet, uh, but that's out there with Massey leading the way. So it's fascinating to see what that might look at. Any thoughts on that for you? No, you know, in, in talking about those two uh, programs, Winston-Salem State and Tuskegee, both of them were former dominant programs and, and <laughs> looking to return to that dominance, you know, and funny with Steve, Steve is bummed out on Friday from the time that Massey was announced he was hoping that they would go in another direction. And let me tell you who was, who were, who were some of the candidates. One of them was Terrence Graves, the man who replaced Bob, Bodrick Fobbs on an interim basis at Grambling before they hired Hugh Jackson. Terrence Graves is a Winston-Salem wow. State. He's a Winston-Salem State grad. And he played for Pete Richardson at Winston-Salem State and eventually coached with, with Pete Richardson at Southern. So uh, there were many who wanted him. Another name that was thrown into the hat was Tory Woodbury. He is an NFL scout, former quarterback for Winston-Salem State. Some were saying that they wanted him uh, to take the job. They kind of wanted a new face. They wanted somebody that could bring a new perspective. Uh, Massey has been there for three years, if you include the, the uh, pandemic year that they didn't play in the 2020 season. He's really been there two seasons, but three seasons total. 
and uh, Winston-Salem State. Look, Winston-Salem State, Fayetteville State is the big battle in the CIAA West. They have been the two champions from the CIAA West over the last 10 years. No one else has won a championship. Maybe in that time, Shaw won one championship. championship. But other than that, those have been the two schools. And for the last two or three years, Fayetteville State under Richard Moore has dominated uh, Winston-Salem State. So they were kind of looking for a, a new face, so to speak. So, you know, to see those two come along, uh, one that's, that's, that's getting a proven winner in, uh, in Reginald Rutherford and Winston-Salem State choosing to stick with Robert Massey uh, says a whole lot. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, one thing that's intriguing to me is the number uh, at the Division II level, how the, the public institutions have dominated that space outside of, like you said, Tuskegee, and most recently in the SIAC, um, Miles oh, College. Mm-hmm. But in the CIAA, it's been public institutions, and obviously you have Albany State, what they've been able to do. Uh, and when you really go back a little further, that Fort Valley State. So intriguing to me to see what that looks like and how that may churn during the years. Let's get into this next break and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about the um, celebration bowl. And then I'll let you get your comments in when we come back after that break, stick with us again. We will get into Dr. Cavill's major division HBCU national champion. So stick with us. It's coming. I promise. And it will be good. You want to wait and you want to hear what we have to share with you. Cause we got some, a nice little treat for you before the end of the show in terms of what that would look like. Stick with it. We'll be right back after this break, and we'll take you inside the big lights, all the things that you want to hear about the 2021 Cricket Wireless Celebration Bowl in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You've heard a lot of stuff coming up, the sellouts and all these kind of things, but we're going to bring you some more. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Carlos Brown, letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net and on the BCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Compress the analytic data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want a lot left, and who the ball, So listen to Professor Yesa, and pay attention, because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Wash and Charles Bishop. They're out on assignments. They have none other than the visiting professor, Carl Luke Williams. We're going to get into the sights and sounds of the 2021 Cricket Wireless Celebration. Before that, did you have any final thought that you want to put on some of the other news that was out there? Yeah, I was just mentioning when you said that Winston-Salem State will be playing in the Hall of Fame game up, up in Canton, Ohio. I was just saying that's putting a lot of pressure on uh, Coach Massey. Uh, now he's had the interim tag removed. He's going to go into a big national prof- high-profile game. Uh, it's going to be a real test of him. And look, one of the things one of the things they're saying at Winston-Salem State that they have not done in the last couple of years is recruit very well. They have not kind of resupplied on the talent level. And maybe you know maybe it was because he was just an interim and nobody wanted to commit while he was just an interim, knowing that he could recruit them today and a new guy could come in tomorrow. 
you know, and uh, change up everything. Exactly. So now, now that he's the head coach, let's see what he does, see how he lines them up, how he signs folks, you know, come February for the signing day, see what kind of uh, class he brings in to try to resupply the Rams with some talent. We'll see. That's good. It's, it's, it's a good thing that he's now out of that interim job and he's now the permanent head coach. To your point, you see that down over at Prairie View. You didn't get a lot of news with the signings. You've seen Southern uh, with all the December early signings they have. FAMU has really went deep in terms of their three, four uh, star signings. You talk about Alabama A&M. They have a huge class of early signings and from those Division One transfer. I think they had two of them. Both a wide receiver and a quarterback out of Miami just comes in. And obviously everybody's heard what's going on at Jackson State in terms of not only their Division One transfer signings, their other big signings, but also in terms of the number one uh, recruit uh, in most uh, publications and, and some of them number two uh, recruit coming in to uh, play both cornerback and wide receiver this past weekend. So big news. With that being said, let's get into this 2021 Cricket Wireless Celebration Bowl. I do want to talk about these ratings and give some people some breakdown on that. But before we get too far into that, I want to know uh, what was some of the sites and things that you saw? What were the big news or things that really caught your eye in terms of celebration mode? Well, obviously, some of them were now announced. Some of them were the events. I thought it was very big in the pregame to have Pro Football Hall of Famers Donnie Shell, as well as that was uh, huge. Uh, as well as uh, Harry Carson, as well as uh, uh, Robert Brazil from Jackson State. I mean, it just speaks to the depth of the history of HBCU football to have them come out and be honorary captains, come out for the coin toss. I thought that was so beautiful. Um, uh, very great example. You know, how many schools uh, can can enter this with that kind of uh, that kind of legacy that they are uh, trading upon? Thought that was big. Obviously, that was a big event on Friday as Dr. Thomas, who. Uh, as, as of the, the last day of this month, December, will be out as the commissioner of the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. They had a, a toast and roast for him on Friday, uh, celebration toast and roast on Friday. Um, that was a big event over the weekend, sold out event. Um, uh, he is the guy really that came up with the idea of the Celebration Bowl and had to sell it to not only his athletic directors, but the presidents of his conference, and then to sell it also to the presidents of the SWAC conference, to skew the SCS playoffs and send their champions to this game uh, with six years in. And I, I don't think anybody has any regrets. As a matter of fact, I think those who are skeptical have been sold as of now. The, uh, the third item I had, and I, I focused this on my page this week. I'm trying to remember exactly what the third one was. There was the is one more I can't think of. It'll come back to me, Kenyatta. But you know, uh, you know the 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 I talked to um, I talked to the AD at uh, North Carolina A and T today, and I told him that you know Buddy Pugh talked about the fact that the Celebration Bowl was wanted to fly South Carolina State down from Orangeburg, a short trip, a forty five minute flight to uh, Atlanta, and Buddy Pugh said, "Why are we gonna fly? We can just catch the bus." And then uh, they convinced him to let Delta bring the team in. And uh, Buddy Pugh talked about on Friday in the press conference just how wonderful the trip was, how Delta just treated them royally. And when I talked to the AD at North Carolina A&T tonight, who is, uh, um, uh, what's, what's my man's name? Uh, uh, Earl Hilton, I'm sorry. And I asked, and I was telling Earl about the event. I, A&T had a basketball game tonight that I came to before we got on. And he told me that they bust every year from Greensboro. They bust to uh, to Atlanta. They didn't have a, a, a chartered flight, private jet uh, that that Delta provided. So he was saying that all four times that they came, they came by bus. So that was one of the amenities that they added this year to fly both teams in, really to give them more of a bold experience. Because, you know, the, I don't know, the trip from Orangeburg to, to Atlanta is probably two hours by car or two and a half hours by bus. But he really talked about how uh, the Delta treated him so well that, you know, he said, I would have been fine to ride the bus, but it was just out of, the, out of this world with all the things that Delta did for them. So those are one. There's one other thing that will come back to me. But go ahead in terms of what you have from the Celebration Bowl. No, shout outs to the executive director, John Grant. When you talk about the Hall of Famers on the Field Classic, 
You're talking about getting Delta to sponsor the flights for both teams, the next level stuff. So you can continue to see that this is an event now. Um, you have folks coming from everywhere. This is similar to homecomings, if you would. Uh, obviously, the next level up for Bayou Classic, Magic City Classic, the CIAA, it is officially an event. And to your point, when you talk about skewing the playoffs for this game, that's why to some degree you hear ESPN and John Grant talking about this being uh, a championship game in a lot of ways. And obviously people have how they feel about it. But essentially, when you think about it, for the most part, you're going to have the best two teams. There may be one or two arguably other teams, but you're going to have, for the most part, year, year out, the best two teams in this game. So it's easy in a lot of ways to see how this is a national championship game. We, I, you can go talk to B.J. Jones and check out a show that I did with him on Sunday night that really broke down the history. So you can get a historical arc so you're really informed about where the newspaper and how a quote-unquote mythical championship, which was done for both HBCUs and historically white colleges. Before I get too far, I did want to talk about the, um, the ratings. The ratings for this were the third highest ratings in terms of that weekend of bowl games. It was the second highest rating since 2019. And we'll take even a deeper dive in that a little more about the ratings. But I did want to get into the poll. So every indication shows that everything about this bowl game is on another level. So when you come in and you participate it, because there's one guy that put out there, and to his credit, he says, Sunday, we may have been lagging a little bit, that we were, you know, not our normal selves. And I think he thought maybe it's because the Jackson State didn't win or whatever. And for us, I don't think people understand is like, while we may be fans of our teams, and we may be fans of a conference, we're all about HBCU sports. You can never get the coverage we talk about, even today when we give you all of the conference, even GCAC. So if you look at this regular, you cannot deny that we provide all information to coaches. And the only reason you may not see more of your coaches on here, that's because you need to talk to your coaches and the SID. They haven't reached out to get on the show. It's a lot of energy and effort for us to do that. And we got down there Wednesday, and people don't understand. We're not down there just getting it done. We're putting in work. And people don't realize that doing this and doing homework and the prep work, there is a lot of energy, and you have long hours all day. And because the thing is such a big event when we talk about the celebration, bowl, you're going nonstop. And then when you take a break, um, you're up late in the hours just eating and mixing because you still want to get a little bit of the socialization in there. And you need the network. People don't understand the reason that we're able to have access to these folks because we have the networks. Enough of that. Let's get into um, the poll rankings. I want well, to get into me, these poll let rankings. Me, let, me, let me say one thing. I, I realized ahead. the thing that I had not uh, spoken about is two things real quick. One was the fact that they uh, the Celebration Bowl re-upped with the Mercedes-Benz Stadium for another six years. That's big. Yeah, so big. You can, you can, you can sket, set your Great schedule. Point. For that weekend in December, that the, the game will be in Atlanta at the Celebration Bowl for the next six years. And on, the last thing I was to mention was how much more media coverage there was this year. You know, there's been plenty of room yep. in the press room downstairs on the field level and upstairs. It's been, you know, it was like it could have been 10 of us up there a couple of years ago. And like, uh, you know, uh, what, what Mark Gray said, it Great says uh, report, reporters uh, masquerading as empty seats. Uh, in the press room upstairs. But this year, it was very full. Everybody was there. USA Today. I was sitting next to a reporter from The Athletic. Of course, The Undefeated was there. So if there's so many that are now uh, feeling the the heat, the buzz of HBCU sports, and I, I would attribute a great portion of that to one uh, Dion Coach Prime Sanders. He has really moved the needle. And it's really, I was expecting these ratings really to be over the first one, but that's usually the case. The first one generates the greatest amount of interest. That's why it was so significant this year that it was a sellout, that it was the, usually the first year through the through the, the whole time of the that's Heritage right. Bowl, they never topped the first year. This topped the first year, and that only bodes well, I think, going forward. Great point. I'm glad you got that in there. Let's pull up the poll before we take this last break. Let's start with the top 10, and we can go through this pretty quickly because when you get in the top 10, no changes here. Number 10, North Carolina A&T at number nine. 
Uh, we have Hampton Pirates. Both of those teams sit at five and six. Then you get into number seven, excuse me, number eight, which is Norfolk State Spartans, finishing at six and three. At number seven, you have none other than Alcorn State Braves, finishing the school season at um, six and five there in terms of what they were able to get done. And then you have at number six, you get back into it with North Carolina Central as they finish the season strong uh, in a lot of ways with the big victory sitting at also six and five. Get into the top five, if you would, as we get the things going. At number five, Prairie A&M Panthers stay at the number five spot as they continue on. At number four, we have none other than Alabama A&M, the Bulldogs. Well, let's get in this break. We'll come back and we'll give you the top three uh, to give you a little more as we tease it out. We're going to finish up with the top three teams and let you know who is number one. We'll come back after this break and give you who ultimately will come. Dr. Gaville's 2021 Major Division Champions. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love laugh and who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Gaville with Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Let's finish with the countdown. I think uh, as you see with this guest, it probably shouldn't surprise you, but let's do the formalities. At number three, you have Florida and and Rattlers finish off the season at nine and three, seven and one, two first place votes. At number two, you have the Jackson State Tigers, 11 and two, eight and zero, five first place votes, 121 points. They were defeated by the number one team, South Carolina State Bulldogs, seven and five, five and zero, and that was in the celebration bowl, 31 to 10, as the Bulldogs get it done. And we have none other than Coach Hugh right here. Uh, to accept and be acknowledged as the 2021 uh, Dr. Gaville's Major Division HBCU National Champions presented by SlowBurnWaco.com. This is the first title under Coach Pugh for this award. His legacy is second to none. The Bulldogs champion of the MEAC defeated Jackson State Tigers, as I said, of the SWAC 31-10 in the 2021 Cricket Wireless Celebration Bowl in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta this past Saturday. South Carolina State Programs is a historic program. Uh, recognized with eight HBCU national champions, 1976, 1977, 1981, 1982, 1994, 2008, 2009, and now, 2021. Welcome to the show, Coach Hugh. Hey, Dr. Gaville, how are you today? I'm doing well, doing well. Congratulations. How do you feel, man? I I know you got all the confetti already. And we yes. can hear you, Coach. We can hear you, Coach. Coach, congratulations. Thanks a bunch. Hey, Luke, how you? I'm doing fine, man. I didn't get a chance to come down to the uh, to the post game press conference, shake your hand, and offer congratulations. But I'm sure you know I was right there with you. Big win, man. Great win. 
you know, uh, my first question, my first question would be to how do you place this one in other big wins that you have? Where was this ranked? <laughs> well, you know, it's the best yet, I guess, because it's the least, it's the last one. Anytime you, you know, start ranking them, the one that's most recent to you, you know, is always, I guess, maybe the best one, but who knows? We've had so much fun around here until we just try to see if we can win a game and move on. We don't really wallow, you know, in the, you know, actual glory of the game very much after we play it, we move on. And so at, at this point, I'm thinking about next year. We're talking about recruiting already. So we had a big recruiting meeting today. Well, I no- I noticed that. I noticed that after the game, your guys weren't all jumping around when A&T has won. They've been uh, wallowing on the ground doing snow angels and whatnot. And Stephen Gaither said he had to tell your guys, go over there and celebrate, man. Go get on the uh-huh. ground, wallow yeah. around and everything. But I understand when you've had the kind of success that you've had that, uh, you know, uh, uh, winning is almost expected. But I certainly was not expected this time around. Everybody thought you were a huge underdog. They were just waiting to see you guys get shellacked. So yeah. what was involved in your preparation to get them to play lights out like they did? Well, I think we even kind of disrespected our offense a little bit because we told them, say, guys, all we want you to do is just don't lose the daggone football game. Don't go out there and turn the football over and give them short fields. And special teams, pretty much the same. We told them, say, hey, don't let them return a punt. Don't let them return a kick. Don't do something crazy to get a punt blocked or something of that nature. If we don't necessarily give them some kind of, you know, unusual kind of score that way, then we didn't think they could really do much to our defense. And lo and behold, the second time they get the ball, they drove it right down the field and scored on us. So I was worried because we were ugly on offense. I mean, we didn't have any sign of life at that time. We go into the middle of the second quarter. Let's face it, we hadn't done a thing. And, right. uh, you know, it was not pretty. So at that point, you know, we got our defense to make a play for us. Actually, the guy who made the play for us was the punter because yeah. that kick that he made, and if we had blocked it just right, we could have actually run that thing for, for a fake uh, punt. But you know what? We were better off with them having it because they got a lot. They gave it to us a lot closer to the goal line than our offense could have gotten it at that point. So <laughs> – we get down there, we get the ball at the five-yard line, we get it in by some grace of God. And at that point, then we're going about the task of, of kind of getting ourselves kind of right in a little bit. But let me tell you, up to that point, man, I was worried. I really was. Was there any thought, and I know, Kenyatta, don't don't let me hog all the questions. Was there any uh-huh. thought at the no, break? Go follow up. I'll jump in there. You're doing a great okay. job. Was there any thought at the break of, of pulling Corey, of, of pulling Fields? No, no, we didn't have anybody else because our second team guy, was not even there. You know, he had had another issue. We had two or three guys that that didn't play in the game because of different kinds of uh, university-style kind of issues, for lack of a better way of putting it, okay? okay. But okay. they didn't play. So in that particular case, the next guy we had was our three. So the only thing we could have done at that point was go wildcat. And we couldn't run the football, so it wasn't oh. no way in the world. <laughs> I was going to go to a formation where they knew that we were going to run the football. It was almost what they did when they got – over in the middle of the third quarter, and they pulled their back and went with the empty formation, <coughs> excuse me, where they only just had the five receivers out there, no running game. You know, at that point, I said, ooh, I could, I could go over here and have a seat. Because <laughs> I knew that we do that against our defense a lot. And let me tell you what, when they get a chance to know you're going to throw it and can really run to you and try to doggone tackle you, let me tell you, boy, this is a problem. It is a problem. But- well, that young boy, the young Sanders was running for his life the whole day. And listen, I've talked to you about this many times. South Carolina State is known for its defense. It's uh, Deacon Jones, uh, Donnie Shell, uh, uh, Harry Carson, as well as many others, Darius Leonard. And you said, I've asked you before, how do you get these defensive players out of South Carolina? They like come with a different little edge about them. But your guys, it seemed played with an edge. They were quicker, and I don't know. I, I was wondering, do you favor quick linemen as opposed to the big, bulky, sure. uh, 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 hole sure. pluggers, so to speak? Yeah, for sure. If you go back and take a good look at that film, and today I had a good chance to really go through it pretty good and and uh, look at our defensive line against their offensive line, against Jackson's offensive line. You know, their offensive linemen weren't nearly as athletic as ours. Those guys were so big until they kind of – you know, kind of slopped around a little bit. So we beat them up pretty good in the offensive front, which took away their run game. 
Now, they can pass pro really well, but at the same time, you know, if you've got to actually do something that's going to cause a little bit, that's going to need a little bit of quickness, then they can't do it. So we'll always say, you don't ever see South Carolina State with a big fat team. Now, we all have a guy in a position because we've gotten down to a spot where we don't have a choice. But in a situation where if we can get a little thinner guy, you know, who's got a little bit of athleticism about him, then I, that's always our style of play. Uh, I got one. Let me, let me, sure. We'll go ahead. In terms of I'll come back. Jumping okay. in there in terms, we, sure. we, we came with you on that, that Friday and we had you at Radio Row. You had some, your defensive star. Mm-hmm. Talk about those young men and what they do special in terms of those that we interviewed on, on Friday. I'm thinking who you had. You had, uh, you had, we um, had, uh, you had your cornerback uh, there and your defensive yeah, lineman, the, no, uh, no, young you man that you COVID, said, hey, Park. Yeah, you had the COVID Durant. Yep. You had, uh, you had, um, oh gosh, the defensive lineman, 34, uh, Jablonski Green. Jablonski Green. Uh, Jablonski was yep. really, you know, a man amongst boys out there. So he was right. the guy that caused about <laughs> half of the, well, um, um, Patrick Garbo did also. Both of the defensive ends were really good. And both guys are, are, are smaller yep. guys. Well, actually, Jablonski is a 280-pound guy. He just doesn't look it that way. And he's, a, sure. he's an athletic Yeah, he carries it really well. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but the Kobe played really well. And so he kind of took away, you know, either 7 or 10 from time to time from them. So they didn't have, you know, an opportunity to get in a big place in the passing game. And then we had a great pass rush with those guys. And, you know, we got some uh, pass rush with our linebackers too because uh, B.J. Davis, five, played a big game for us. He really ran around and made a lot of plays for us. But all those guys are just smaller, athletic guys. You're just so much better off. And when they say it's the dog in you, it's, the, it's how, ma- how bad you are, it's the inside stuff, it's, that's the, what makes the difference in these guys. And so you can pretty much bet that anytime. You know, these guys are on the field. There's no fear there, and they're going to always run like Hector Ball. And the only thing that actually slows them down is putting them in conflict of some sort, putting them mm. in a situation where <clears throat> they got some doubt as to where they're going. But if they feel like they know exactly, you know, where they're headed and they got a pretty good beat on what they're trying to get stopped, then let me tell you, they are really, really good. Let me get one back in here, and then I'll let uh, Luke finish up with a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the dog in your players, you even had that on special teams because your special teams was very special. I want to talk about your decisions to do that, uh, but Luke brought it to my attention. Uh, one of the big plays that really oftentimes the Jackson State thrives on is their special teams, and it looked like they may have gotten that play, but then your kicker comes in and makes this beautiful tackle. I didn't even realize it was tack- uh, the kicker because he was so far up the field, using the last person even though he probably saved the touchdown because that hole was splitting in there. Uh, But the athleticism he had in his tackle was something of itself. Talk about your decision, one, that young man, and then your decision of what you decided to do in your kickoff game. Uh, It was similar to what we saw Southern do against Jackson State. It was pretty effective. Well, the decision was that he knew that he was supposed to point the ball out of bounds. Uh, in a case where if you put it out of bounds, you don't have to worry about tackling the guy because the guy can't get the football and run with it. But because he tackled the ball in, because the ball was pointed in bounds, that he knew that he better get his butt on and tackle that guy because I told him, I said, if you kick this ball in bounds, your ass better be ready to tackle. I said, because we can't stop that guy because he is bad to hell. We fat cats we got out here ain't going to be able to stop him. So that's why he was running so fast because he knew that if he didn't tackle that guy, he had to come back on that sideline. And I might not feel like That's funny, Coach. That's funny. That is funny. Beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. Go ahead. Here's one. Here's what I got for you, Coach. I came uh-huh. down to your homecoming game, uh-huh. and two people, two people in your press box said to me, said if Shaq Davis had the work ethic of a Darius Leonard or somebody, he'd be as good as any receiver in the country. Yeah. Well, yeah. he he showed up for you on Saturday. Talk a little bit about Shaquan Davis. Well, yeah, well, let me tell you, so everybody's got his strengths and weaknesses, uh, Luke. And uh, Shaq's uh, got, you know, uh, first of all, he's got an unbelievable body. The guy, you know, was blessed in a way where, you know, he ought to be able to have a chance to go to the next level. But at the same time, you know, nobody knows how hard it is for a guy to develop and actually get to the point where he can actually control that body. That's a big old body. 
to be doing all the kind of stuff that he's got to do. So, yeah, it would be nice if he was better at this stage of the game. But he's got two more years. You know, he's going to have an opportunity, I'm thinking, to you know, continue to develop. Our quarterback is a little bit inaccurate, too. So you put those two ingredients together. You know, you got a coordination that you got to kind of put together in a way where both guys got to get on the same page in some regard. So, yeah, Shaq's dropped some balls and hadn't played quite as well as I would like for him to play. Wilbereen was a little more, uh, uh, I guess, dependable guy for us this past year, but Shaq's made some plays for us. And he came to the forefront in the game Saturday. So, you know, maybe he came – maybe that was his coming out party Saturday. Maybe next year. Yeah, you know, good time to have kind of Yeah, he had a great game and at a great time because we needed him at that point, and, you know, it worked out for us. But, you know, I love the kid, and I think that he'll be a great player for us down the road of peace. And the biggest thing I worry about right now is somebody talking him out of here a little bit before he needs to leave. <laughs> he, needs right. to be a, he needs to play another year at least. And, uh, you know, I think that would be a great for his development. But at the same time, you never know who's in these guys' ears at this point. Somebody will try to do something to him, you know, that, that, that'll benefit them that might not be the best in his, his, you know, in his overall development. Well said. Well, we're going to get you out of here. I know you're feeling just a little bit under the weather. We appreciate yeah. you taking the time out of your schedule to do that. But we would be remiss if we didn't give you the floor and allow you to say some thoughts or comments or maybe some thanks and kudos uh, for for whoever you would like to. So at this point, go ahead. The floor is yours. Well, thank you. God. I appreciate y'all having me, first off. And, of course, you know the, the the feelings that I had for all of the different folk that I ran into and was involved with at the Celebration Bowl. It was a wonderful, wonderful uh, opportunity for us. And uh, I can tell you that I didn't, I had no idea, you know, coming in, going in there, you know, that we could be, you know, that kind of football team under those kind of circumstances. But it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of what we did. And our fan base has been just out of their mind excited, you know, about what's going on. So we look forward to, you know, getting a couple of days off and trying to figure out exactly what we've got to do from here and going to the next year. But at the same time, you know, it is a, it's a wonderful time at South Carolina State University. We had all kinds of great things to happen here for the last couple of days and, and about a week or so. You know, everything from the president to our game. Our basketball team is starting to play really well. I don't know if you realize that. I hadn't heard yeah. they won yeah. yeah. Still, like yeah. they won four or five in a row. They beat South Florida the other night. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're excited as all get out about them getting going again. So it's that time of year. So South Carolina State's got a chance right now to turn the corner. We can really do some things, I'm thinking, to really get ourselves going in the right direction. So we're looking forward to it. We've, we think we've got a great young uh, interim president. We are really excited about uh, Alex Conyers and, and uh, you know, and what he's putting in place to, you know, run our university. So we look forward to seeing, you know, exactly what all we can do to continue to develop and, and build on this momentum that we've created here, you know, starting with football, starting with the president, starting with all the different kinds of things, you know, that we've had here in the last couple of days. Well, hey, Coach, you're a big well part said. of that, man. Congra- you're a big part of that. Congratulations. <laughs> much success. Hope you feel much better. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, guys. We appreciate so, you. Said, hey, come to Orangeburg and see us sometime, guys. Absolutely. I'll uh, do that. Certainly have good reason to do it now. We'll find a way to get there. And uh, we All appreciate right. the invite. With that invite, you can count. We'll be there. With this, you're listening to Dr. Hill's 2021 Major Division HBCU National Champion Head Coach Buddy Pugh uh, getting it done for the South Carolina State Bulldogs. And as he said, congratulations uh, to the president. Make sure you give our uh, congratulations to him, congratulations to you, and congratulations to the team and the fans, as well as the MEAC, because they deserve it on top, getting it done, well-deserved, adding this national champion to all the other seven. Now at number eight, Coach Pugh, you've done it. You put your hand in, and we appreciate you and your time so much. That'll do it for us. This is Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Thank you for listening to Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Yada Cavill, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. They're both out on assignment, so we brought in the visiting professor, if you would, Carl Luke Williams. Make sure you check out all his information. Uh, you can go to the Onadon site. That's www.onnidan.com. Email him. Give him the email again, Luke, so they can get your weekly reports. 
bcspeditor at gmail.com, bcspeditor, gmail.com, and for free, we'll add you to the, uh, to the mailing list. Thanks for having me, Doc. Enjoy. Yeah, we want to, no problem, no problem. Thank you again, Coach. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday. We might take a break on Thursday for Christmas, so we'll get you that information, but we'll be right back with you. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-H-C-A-V-I-L. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Inside the HBCU Sports on Twitter. That's Facebook and YouTube at Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. We'll continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Lou? Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Look forward to it again. Hope, hope to join you again soon. <laughs> no Lecture. Dismissed.